I have three questions for you, football fans. Is there gold still yet to be found in San Francisco? Are you better than any of the Detroit Lions kickers in 2014? And what do my mom and the Arizona Cardinals franchise currently have in common? I'm Adeshina Koikin. You're listening to Down in Distance on a lot of sports talk. And we welcome you once again to Down and Distance, our fourth episode and getting ready for week 11 of the National Football League. Adeshina Koike here with you, and of course, my co-host is with me as well. She's about a couple of feet uh, from me right now, Miss Holly Culbertson. And first of all, Holly, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing oh, well. Yes. cracking. Uh, it, it happens. <laughs> it happens when you start cheering for teams yes. and whatnot. And, uh, hey, it's all good. But um, once again, we're getting ready to talk about week 11, but before we talk about week 11, we do have to go back a little bit and go back to last Sunday and week 10. Some very, very interesting results. Of course, uh, the New York Jets somehow uh, defeating the Pittsburgh Steelers and dominating uh, the Steelers 20-13, to 13, but the score not really indicative of the uh, domination that uh, my New York Jets uh, put on the Steelers. And I do have to mention it because this is probably the one and only time during this season and during our shows that I can be prideful. Uh, about be. New York Jets. They, they played well <laughs> yesterday. I watched that game while I was listening to another game. So um, you should be prideful. They played well. And Pittsburgh did not. No, and, that, and the Steelers <laughs> were the team. Uh, they were the cat's meow for the past yeah. couple of weeks with Ben Roethlisberger uh, throwing touchdowns for fun, six touchdowns in two games in a row, and uh, the Jets' defense able to stifle uh, the Steelers. The Steelers stifled themselves, of course, uh, yes. committing four turnovers uh, in the ball game. But a couple of other interesting results in Week 10. In New Orleans, the San Francisco 49ers, a team in... A lot of people would say a little mini crisis and have been in crisis uh, since the very beginning of the season, since training camp, really a almost season saving. You hear that word a lot after the 49ers defeated the New Orleans Saints by a score of 27 to 24. Such an important victory for the 49ers. They are now back to five and four on the season. They could have been four and five on the season under 500. And after they lost last week to St. Louis, a couple of weeks ago, I should say, to the St. Louis Rams, I put up on Twitter, on Facebook, that the 49ers were done. I did that assuming that the 49ers would not go to New Orleans and defeat a Sean Payton coach team in New Orleans that had not happened since 2012, almost two consecutive years that the Saints went winning games under Sean Payton, 17 in a row at the Superdome, and the 49ers came away with a big win. A lot of people are saying it's a season-saving win. Do you think that the 49ers saved their season with the win or not? No. Um, and the reason I say no is because I picked San Fran to win this game in our did. picks. Yeah. And the reason I picked that is I don't – you can't – in the NFL, yeah, Sean Payton's teams, it's hard to beat them at home. But New Orleans is not that team in 2012. Isn't the team they were last year. They just – they're not playing well. They're, they have no defense. And – on paper, San Fran should have won this game without even blinking an eye. Nobody should have even doubted that they would win this game. Um, San Fran has a lot of problems. Um, they had they had problems yesterday, but they still snuck out, snuck out the win. 
Um, the rest of their schedule is pretty pretty hard. Uh, I just don't see it as a, a game saving, and I don't think they're going to pull it together. I just don't. Well, of course, they're in the NFC West, and there's a lot of tough games left. They still have a couple of games mm-hmm. with the Seahawks. They still mm-hmm. have to play a game against the Arizona Cardinals, who currently mm-hmm. have the best record in the National Football League at 8-1. and one. We'll talk about the Cardinals a little bit uh, later on in our show, now going to 8-1, and one, but suffering a big loss with uh, Carson Palmer uh, out for the season with another ACL yeah, injury. that's but, rough. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is rough, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Cardinals, but this is about the San Francisco 49ers right now. I do believe that after this win for the 49ers that they can salvage their season. It is one of those games where as much as there's so much strife around a team, there's got to be that one game. There has to be that one moment that really clicks for a team that is used to winning and winning a lot. Even if there's uh, the coach wants to leave, possibly, even if there's a lot of tension, even if there's Hall of Famers like Jerry Rice saying, oh, uh, I don't think Harbaugh is going to stay after this year. Deion Sanders talking about strife. But against New Orleans on Sunday, that was a game that you said on paper you think they should have won, but with a couple of minutes ago, they faced a fourth down inside their own 30-yard line, needed to convert, and Kyle Kaepernick running out of the pocket, and it looked like it was hopeless. So they were a fourth down conversion or non-conversion mm-hmm. away from being under 500, yep. being four games behind the Arizona Cardinals, being a couple of games behind the Seahawks, and pretty much uh, riding... Uh, the uh, epitaph for the uh, San Francisco 49ers uh, this season. But they have played on defense as well, even better than I thought they would play on defense without guys like Patrick Willis, without Navarro Bowman, without Alden Smith. Right. Willis will come back. Alden Smith will come, come back. back. Yeah, they're Navarro doing Bowman may come back. You know, he had the uh, knee injury in the NFC title game. I, Carlos Hyde, the backup yep. running back for the 49ers, played well in the win against uh, New Orleans, and they got back to their identity, running the football, creating turnovers. They picked Drew Brees at least a couple of times, including I three. At, I thought maybe it was three, two or three. Yeah, and, I know it was two for sure. Yeah, two yeah. for sure. One by Buffet, uh, one by Chris Culliver yep. in the end zone right before the yep. end of the first half, which was a huge play. Right, it was huge. Huge play, and the Saints I, really mismanaged that end of the first half. Uh, but if the 49ers can draw from that victory – <laughs> what they need to do for the rest of the season. Yes, the schedule's hard, but on Sunday they do play the New York Giants. The Giants are not in oh, good shape no, right now. The next three of the next four games for the 49ers are eminently winnable. On the road against the Giants, at home against Washington, then they have that Thanksgiving game at home against Seattle, and then they play a road game against the Oakland Raiders. So three of the next four games... Very winnable. Oh, yeah. Very, very I, winnable. I, I agree. Um, but I, I just, San Francisco's just been so inconsistent all year. They, they, they win a game. They do great. They go, oh, they're, oh, they're back. They're back. And then next week, oh, no, they're <laughs> done. You know, they're all over. Um, I, it's just, they're just too inconsistent. And I think it's because of everything that's going on there. Um, I, I don't see them making the playoffs. Yeah, you're right about the inconsistency. And I do... I do subscribe to the theory that if a team is inconsistent for the first eight, nine weeks of the season, what makes you think that they will all of a sudden have it turn on in the final eight, nine games? If anything, if it turns on, uh, losing will turn on. It'll be three out of four losing or four out of five losing after win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. But you're right, 49ers start out. 
They beat Dallas, beat them pretty bad. Well, the scoreboard, it says it beat them pretty bad. But the Cowboys did dominate that game in terms of yards, but the 49ers turned them over right. again and again and again, got out early, and uh, didn't even look back. Then they go home. They lose to the Bears. They lose to the Cardinals. Then they beat the Eagles. Then they beat the Chiefs. Those are two pretty good wins. Yeah. They beat the Rams, and then they have that Sunday night game against Denver. They get blown out. Then after a bye, they face the Rams. You think, okay, they can beat the Rams. They didn't. They didn't. Um, but <laughs> they, and I picked them to beat the Rams, too. So. Yeah, and uh, now... After I think we're all Rams, underestimating the St. Louis Rams right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are. A lot of people are. I have... I picked St. I know, Louis, I am. I picked St. Louis to win yesterday. And in, yes, the, in, the, uh, in the fourth quarter, they, yeah, led, they led against Arizona. Yeah. And uh, Arizona did what... They usually do in the fourth quarter. They are the best fourth quarter, quarter team, team in, the, in the National Football League. Uh, but with San Francisco, as I said, I thought they were done after the St. Louis loss, assuming that they did not go into New Orleans and win. I did not think that would happen. Now that it has happened, and with the schedule that they have, Giants, Redskins, Raiders, three of the next four, you can get to eight wins right there just taking that. True. You, the four remaining games are tough. Thanksgiving against Seattle, another game against Seattle, uh, Thursday night game, I believe, or Saturday game against the San Diego Chargers in San Francisco, and then ending the season against Arizona again, a team that the that beat the 49ers without Carson Palmer playing. Drew Stanton played in that game yes, he did. and uh, won that game for the Arizona Cardinals. I do believe that the 49ers can get to 10 wins. That doesn't mean they'll clinch a playoff spot because it looks as Correct. if 10 I think wins a lot of at the minimum is, is going to be is, is going to be pretty standard spot. right now. Yeah, it's going to be 10 wins um, for for all the teams. And you know, I was watching the pregames yesterday, and the AFC right now, as of yesterday, had so many 500 teams. You know, they're like, wow, this playoff picture is open for anybody in the AFC. Um, so, we'll, you know, it's going to be – you're not going to be able to, to make that wild card spot on 8-7 and seven or, you know, eight, you know, whatever. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, last year uh, the Chargers made it at 8-8. Eight and eight eight. Yeah, that's year. what, I, that's what yeah. I meant to say. I was thinking of the Chargers, too. It's like, how do you make it to the playoffs <laughs> at 8-8? Eight and eight? Um, But they did, you know. Um, but it's, I don't, this year it's going to be a lot tougher, a oh. lot tougher. Uh, you can just – tell that it's going to be a whole lot tougher given the fact that the Green Bay Packers now are 6-3, and three, right. and if the playoffs started, would not make the playoffs. Well, they right, would, right now, at six not, and right. Three. they would not make it, correct. would not make it because they're tied with Seattle mm -hmm. for the sixth spot, and Seattle beat Green Bay right. uh, to begin correct. the season, so yeah. Seattle would win it. So the number six team in the NFC is 6-3. and three. The number six team in the AFC is 5-3-1. and one. One. Number yep. seven is Pittsburgh six and four, Baltimore six and four, four. Yeah. and that doesn't even include the five and four teams: the Chargers, the Dolphins, and the a certain team that you root for. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's going to be very tight. But in the NFC, ten wins is going to be the minimum. You think yes. Green Bay is going to get four more wins? You think the Lions are going to get three more wins? Arizona's eight and one, even without Carson Palmer, they can get. A couple of more wins between now and the end of the season. We'll see what happens with Philadelphia. They have six wins going, you know, oh, it's no. that Monday Night wow. Football game. Of course, the only division where you don't think that there will be a 10-win team is the NFC South because the New Orleans Saints right. are in first place well, and they're under 500 at 4-5. But I do believe that San Francisco, they've been playing a little bit better. They were one yard away from beating the Rams. And Kyle Kaepernick fumbled. Yeah, um, well, that's true. I, I don't... It, it's going to, you know, a lot of 
San Francisco making the playoffs is going to be how well Seattle does the rest of this season. Yeah. It really, and it's going to be one of those two teams that are going, and that's it. For that, that well, for the wild card, for the wild card. Arizona's yeah. in the same division. Yeah, yeah, not for the wild card. For the yeah. wild card, well, it'll be it'll be one of those two teams, and it just depends well, who, who can squeeze it out. Well, depending. Well, if you <laughs> listen to our show a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned to you could two teams from the same division make up the two wild card teams. So it's possible. It, well, yeah, that it's Seattle possible. and San Francisco can that make the true. playoffs, and uh, Arizona goes to the playoffs as a division winner. Yeah. That is, it is possible. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> but you punted on it anyway. I did. In terms of both AFC and NFC uh, having the wild card teams coming from the same division. So San Francisco, a big win. And I'm starting to really love Chris Borland, the rookie from Wisconsin, third round pick, uh, playing for Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman at linebacker. I mentioned Dan Scooter a couple of weeks ago doing well. Chris Borland had a whale of a game. Um, at inside linebacker for the San Francisco 49ers in the win against the New Orleans Saints. Uh, a team that did not play so well on defense uh, on Sunday, the uh, Chicago Bears. Uh, <laughs> yes, on Sunday night football, letting the Packers just run up and down around and all over them. Green Bay winning 55-14, to 14, 42, I believe, first-half points that yeah. the uh, Green Bay Packers had. Six touchdowns by Aaron Rodgers passing in the first half. And he didn't get intercepted once. No, uh, he it's rarely just, gets intercepted anyways. But, but it just, with all the throwing he did, it just baffled me that there wasn't even an they didn't even try to pick him off. Yeah. That, that just, <laughs> and, and, right. and that really transitions to our second big topic uh, going into week 11. We grew up, and the Chicago Bears were known for defense. Dick Butkiss and Mike yeah. Singletary, Brian Urlacher uh, at middle linebacker. This was a team, Mike Dick as head coach, even though he played offense, his teams usually were very stout on defense. The 46 defense of the Chicago oh Bears in 1985 that uh, led the Bears to the Super Bowl. And now the Bears, with their performance against the Green Bay Packers last Sunday, only becoming the second team in history to allow 50-plus points in consecutive games. Two weeks or three weeks prior, they allowed 51 to the Patriots. Yep. That's when, after the game, there were there was reports that Brandon Marshall stood up in front of the locker room and called people out, um, and other players did the same and tried to calm Brandon Marshall down. Um, and that was going into their bye week. So going into your bye week, you think, okay, we've aired our differences, we've aired our problems, and hopefully we can galvanize and pretty much wipe the slate clean, go to the next week, and then they allow 55 points to the Green Bay Packers right. after a bye week. So I do have to ask you, what in the world is going on with the monsters of the Midway? They are far uh, from monsters right now. I, I, you know, this is probably one of the biggest surprise teams for me that has utterly failed, because usually even if their offense has struggled... Their defense has always just been right there. Um, they've saved games. They've won games for Chicago. Yeah. There's just no defense, and I, it's poor coaching. I don't know what's happening to the coaching staff there. I, they, I, they're all doing tequila shots at halftime <laughs> or something. I don't know. They're, they're just the coaching is horrible. I think there's a lot of infighting um, between the, the the teammates. There's a lot of blame game, and no one's solving the problems for whatever reason. You know, they said that they prepared. I read an article today that how much they prepared for the Packers. No, you didn't. 
I mean, it, it was like I was watching some of that game last night, and it was almost like Aaron Rodgers knew exactly what defense was going to show up on every play. That You can't do that and win in the NFL. They, they were just shoddy defense all over the place. They had no answers for anything. And I'm sorry, Green Bay, yes, they're, they're doing well this year, but that's a team they could have beaten easily. Um, and they have so much talent on their team, too, which is also baffling to me. And they just, they're not being coached well. I think that, again, the fighting between the, the, the teammates is, is causing a huge problem on the field. Lack of respect for their quarterback. Uh, that that's huge. I mean, no, they have no faith in their quarterback. <laughs> they, they just don't because he's he's on the ground more than he's throwing balls this season, and that just to me shows there's just no faith in him. So why are we going to protect him? And they're not. So it's just I think Chicago needs to basically just chuck this season into the into the into the garbage can, <laughs> do what they can for the rest of the season, and then the ownership needs to make some serious changes in the offseason. You want the Bears to chuck their season into <laughs> Lake Michigan. It. Just let, yeah, it's done. It's done. Just figure it's done. Do the best you can for the rest of the season and then make some serious ch- changes in the offseason. The fascinating part about the Chicago Bears is they've made significant changes probably in the past four or five years. As you said, such the defensive stalwart under Lovey Smith, but with all of the very good seasons that the Bears had under Lovey Smith, and they were known for defense, got to a Super Bowl one year, essentially, despite Rex Grossman being quarterback, they were able to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, they were known for defense, but then it got to the point where the offense was, I don't want to say regressing, but it was always trying to catch up to the defense. I and agree. A lot of the groundswell in Chicago was, well, we need someone more offensive-minded. And Lovey Smith, I don't want to say he got a raw deal, but he was a really good coach for Chicago. He was. He was I, I had respect defense, for Lovey Yeah, defense didn't really sell no, eventually, which no. in Chicago is surprising given all the years that they've been yeah. so well going back to the 50s, yeah. doing so well uh, on defense. So then now Mark Tressman comes in, in offensive mind, and an- and another problem the Bears had under Lovey Smith and then going into Mark Trestman, their offensive line wasn't good. Jay Cutler kept getting sacked, kept getting sacked. Then they tried to rebuild the offensive line. They did that. It almost seems as if the second they plug one hole or one leak, another leak springs. And, it, it, and that's, <laughs> that's exactly it. Yeah, that's exactly what's happened. Uh, you know, I've watched a few of the games over the season. The, the Bills pl- played them, and yeah. I watched how we just dominated their offensive line. They it was like they just kind of stood up and was like, hi, we're here. <laughs> you know, that was it. I mean, and not taking anything away from the Bills' defense. They're very good. Oh, yeah. Um, but it was just like my – in watching the game again last night, it's like, oh, my gosh, why are you not protecting your quarterback? What is wrong with you here? And Green Bay's defense is not that dominant, to be honest with you. I mean, it just isn't in the NFL. They're – there should have been more points scored. There should it should not have been that kind of blowout. No, Just, not yeah. at all. And it's it's really it's interesting not, it's what's going to happen because Mark <laughs> Trestman hasn't been in the job for more than three oh, years. Done. And I, I don't know. The Bears had Lovey Smith. They had, had their defensive coach. Yeah. They had a lot of winning. Uh, there were times where I was Bears, surprised when they got rid of Lovey. It, was, it happens. I was, yeah, I know it happens. But I was like, wow, I don't know if that's it, such a great move for them. And it hasn't been a great move for them. And 
you know, Trustman, I think he better start brushing up on his resume. Yeah, everything was geared towards let's make the offense mm-hmm. the best it can be. Let's make Jay Cutler more comfortable, be uh, an elite quarterback. They gave him elite money. Uh, that was the big question. Uh, I what think do you Jay do Cutler's, with Jay Cutler? Jay Cutler's job's on the line right well, now. Yeah, Jay Cutler, he has never endeared himself to the public he in Chicago. Not. He's, he has not. His personality just doesn't. He comes off very standoffish, yeah, does really. not get involved locally with things. I know that's been a big complaint about people in Chicago with him. Um, you, you know, to play in any of these NFL teams, that you, you have to be involved with your local community. You have to have these fans like you. Um, or your team's not going to do well either. Yeah, it's, you know? it's, it's, <laughs> You're not going to sell out games. You're not going to make money. It just, it all, and Jay Cutler just has done none of those things either. He's never been one of my favorite quarterbacks. Yeah. You know, I, I really don't have a whole lot of spec, respect for Jay Cutler just because kind of how the person he is. Yeah. Um, and he, he, I don't think he's a good leader. And quarterbacks need to be a leader. Yeah, um, is Jay Cutler the type of quarterback that you look to and you get motivated? You Not, don't. You don't. Come, you, you just can lead don't. A team. You you don't get motivated. Um, you know, you, wh- but unfortunately, Chicago doesn't really have anything anybody to go to to be that leader right now. Now, Brandon Marshall standing stepping up and saying something good for him because he could be that leader that everybody follows but you need your quarterback to be that person that's just normal it is is just normal probably the two most memorable moments for the chicago bears with jay cutler as a chicago bear have been when jay cutler has been on the sidelines Mm -hmm. when green bay went to the super bowl they defeated the bears in the nfc title game in chicago cutler gets hurt in that game Mm -hmm. caleb haney comes in does pretty well. He did do pretty well. Very well. They almost got to tie the game. Yeah. They've gone to overtime. Yeah. And after and after that, that was when a lot of reports came out. Not reports, but a lot of fans thought that Jay Cutler should have toughed out his injury. Yep. And you can never really gauge how hurt someone is. So I don't want to get right. I personally no, don't right. want to get there. Yeah, I understand but that. But when that happened, when Jay Cutler got hurt, was standing on the sidelines, was aloof, standoffish, and the Bears with a backup quarterback who are possibly getting ready to tie the game in the NFC title game and go to the Super Bowl, uh, Jay Cutler was already behind the eight ball there. Yeah, he okay. was. He no, was already absolutely. behind the eight ball with the fans. Yep, he was. And, then, and then last year, um, Jay Cutler gets hurt in a game that I saw, uh, Chicago and Washington. Yep. Josh McCown comes in, and for about six, seven weeks, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the, the league. league. Josh did, McCown. Josh and him a contract in Tampa Bay. Hey, he did great last year. Not doing so well this year. Not doing so well in the Buccaneers. <laughs> uh, not doing so well this year as well. But, but at any rate. Yeah, Jay, yeah, Jay Cutler, uh, he's very polarizing. Actually, polarizing would mean that there's a lot of Jay Cutler supporters. I don't get the sense that there are that many Jay Cutler supporters. I, I agree. There are many Jay Cutler detractors. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, but the Bears giving up. 50-plus points in back-to-back games. Only the second team in NFL history uh, to yeah, do that. The Bills and the Jets haven't done that. <laughs> I know. We only gave up 50 points, what, once maybe? Uh, this season, the Jets? I don't think we have. We? No, 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 we didn't. no, not at all. No, we, we, no, we haven't given yes. up 50 points. Because our defense is a little bit better this year. Well, yes. a lot better this year. Yeah. But anyway. and the 1923 Rochester Jeffersons, the oh. only other team to allow 50-plus points in consecutive games. So the Bears in trouble. The 49ers may be out of trouble. The Arizona Cardinals, far from being troubled, now 8-1 and one after the come-from-behind victory 
over the St. Louis Rams, but in that game that the Cardinals won 31-14, Carson Palmer uh, tore his ACL again. Those are the reports. Yep. And he is out for the season. The same uh, knee and ACL that was torn during the playoff game, I believe, in 2008 um, or 2007 against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, he did sign the three-year, $50 million extension days before yeah. uh, the St. Louis game in which he uh, got hurt. So that, the Arizona Cardinals. It's going to be tough for him to come back yeah. from a second tear second, like that. Uh, of the same knee. Same, knee. same knee. It's going to be tough for Carson, which is really too bad because he's really blossomed in Arizona and has done so well. Uh, I still think Arizona is the most underrated team. No one talks about them. They're still not talking about how <laughs> well, great Arizona is. Well, they're talking is. about them now. Now they're talking about Arizona. Yeah, yeah, all year. of a sudden, they're like, wow, yeah. You know, no one really has been talking about them. And I'm just like, what is wrong with you people? These, this team is really good. And nobody's talking about them. They're talking about Dallas. They're, you know, they're talking about how bad the Giants are. They're talking, of, you know. Uh, uh, what about the Seahawks? Uh, yes. And, yeah. <laughs> what about San Fran? But what about Arizona? What about Arizona? I mean, they're doing really good. Very good. And I still think they will do well. I, I don't think, um, you know, obviously their game plan has to change a lot now without Car- Carson in there. Um, but I still think they have enough tools and enough, you know, people on that team that can win games. Um, they have a great defense. Yep. And in defenses can win games for you. Um, we'll see, you know, how it goes for the rest of the season. But I still think they're they've got the division locked. It doesn't hurt that the Cardinals have gotten out to an eight and one start yeah. and have this happen. So they have a little bit of wiggle room. Not that they want to lose right. uh, any games, but right. getting off to this start really doesn't hurt at all in terms of being able to withstand an injury the way that the Cardinals now have to withstand uh, Carson Palmer's injury. The next game for the Arizona Cardinals, they have a pretty tough stretch they do. to end the season. I'll give you the rest of the Cardinals games at 8-1. and one. Of course, Drew Stanton now at quarterback. He's won a couple of games for the Cardinals when Carson Palmer's out with his uh, nerve injury. So the next game on Sunday, the Detroit Lions, it's in Arizona, but the Lions are 7-2. and two. That could be for first place in the entire NFC, yeah. Lions, Cardinals. It's be a good game. It's going to be which, a really good game. If the game. Lions and Cardinals met three years ago, four years ago, eight years ago, ten years ago, and you said this is for NFC supremacy, you'd be laughed out of town. Yeah, you would have been. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm looking forward to that game Sunday. Um, I think it's going to be a great game. Yeah, We'll um, talk about down the third down segment. Yeah. Uh, but, yes, yeah, so Detroit uh, this coming week. Then they have to go to Seattle after that. They're, then they have to go to Atlanta then host Kansas City, play the Rams on the road. The Rams have been uh, doing well, and they're usually a thorn in the sides of their division opponents. Yeah. Because uh, the Rams have beaten the 49ers, yep. and they've beaten the Seahawks, and were so close to being the Cardinals uh, the other day. Then they play the Seahawks again, and they end the season at San Francisco. So the Cardinals have a pretty tough stretch to end the season, but starting 8-1 and one helps. It does. In terms it of does. Withstanding that stretch and still making a playoff spot. So that's our first down segment. The Arizona Card. We finished with the Arizona Cardinals uh, and eight and one. The Cardinals eight and one. 
for the first time since 1948 when they were sh- the Chicago Cardinals. And 1948 was when my mom was born. And before we go Aww. to our second down segment, uh, last week another person uh, celebrated a birthday. Yes. Um, I wonder who it is. Yes, <laughs> right. Oh, come on. You love birthdays, don't no, you? No, I don't. Okay. Happy, <laughs> uh, happy belated birthday Thank you. to you, Holly. So Thank I definitely you. want to end the first down segment. With that, we will be back for a third down. So stay tuned for a second down and our interview segment. This is Down and Distance on a lot of sports talk. After an 0-2 start, the Kansas City Chiefs may be the informed team in the National Football League. They have won six out of seven games, now 6-3 and three on the season, coming off a monumental in-conference win on the road against the Buffalo Bills, 17-13. to And another big game awaits the Kansas City Chiefs. And yes, all games are big in the National Football League, but when the defending Super Bowl champions come into town, uh, antennas have to be raised uh, just a little bit higher. The Chiefs hosting the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday and joining us right now, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs on radio, Mitch Holtis, joining us now. And we're going to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs and maybe a little bit uh, Missouri Valley Conference basketball before we're done. But Mitch, thank you so very much for joining us. How are you doing today? Uh, Doing very well. Yeah, it's been an interesting story ever since they uh, lost to the Titans. Uh, To open up the season, this team, as you alluded to, won six out of seven, but well, if people dig into it a little bit deeper, they'll see that this team has won three of those six on the road. They've won at Miami, which is a win that looks better all the time. The win over Buffalo this past week, and then winning at San Diego when San Diego was five and one. Uh, plus, uh, they've beaten and blew out actually the New England Patriots on Monday Night Football at Arrowhead. So it's been a pretty challenging schedule, which of course stays that way with Seattle coming in this weekend. Uh, I want to mention a little bit about that New England game. That's the game that a lot of casual fans uh, remember the most about the Kansas City Chiefs, not only because it was against the Patriots, it was prime time, it was Monday night, and it was a demolition of the New England Patriots. Uh, In a way, did the run for the Chiefs that's currently going on right now, could it stem from that New England game? What may have the Chiefs taken away from that game, possibly, that has led them to this uh, current uh, vein of form? Well, I really think, though, it started by having a chance to beat Denver at Denver in Week 2. After the disappointing week against Tennessee, uh, they had the opportunity, they had the ball inside the 10-yard line with a chance to take the game to overtime at Denver. It actually played Denver off its feet, uh, specifically in the second half. But, to your point, the game that showed everybody that, well, wait a minute, maybe the Chiefs are a contender in the AFC was the game against New England because not only did they beat them, they blew them out. I mean, made life miserable for Tom Brady, had a pick six against Brady. Uh, and if you look at this run that they've had over 15 years, not very many teams have beaten them at all, but very few teams have blown them out like that. And the Chiefs beat them in all phases. They stuffed New England's run game. Uh, they were able to move the ball against New England's defense, and in special teams, they were able to win that battle as well. So that game, if the casual fan says, well, wait a minute, that, that's the one that gets their attention, it just shows them that they could play with the elite teams in the AFC and be considered in that same discussion. But I would throw the road games and the wins against Miami, uh, San Diego, and Buffalo in that same discussion because to win in those places are very difficult. 
Once again, Mitch Holtis, voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, joining us. And I believe the only loss in that span was another really close loss um, in uh, Santa Clara uh, against the 49ers. So the mm-hmm. Chiefs are that close to having a seven-game winning streak. Uh, I do want to go back to the Tennessee game, a game that Tennessee did uh, you would have to say I'll play the Chiefs and defeated them in the season opener. And more than just losing that game, uh, the Chiefs lost Derek Johnson uh, for the season with an Achilles injury. And there are so many talented players on the Chiefs on defense with Tom Bahali and Justin Houston, uh, Dentari Poe, Eric Berry, et cetera, et cetera. Um, is there any player or any players on the defense that has really stepped up in the absence of Derek Johnson? Or has the star players, have the star players on the defense stepped it up enough? Another notch. Now, there's two players that deserve mention to answer your question. One is Hussein Abdullah, who is a safety, but many times is asked to play near the line of scrimmage. He's a superb tackler. He can defend the run. He can also defend the pass. He took a year off of football in 2012 after having four years in Minnesota. Then he came back to Chiefs decided to take a chance on him in 2013 and could just see the improvement uh, through Hussein's game throughout 2013, he's played at a Pro Bowl level this year. He's the most understated story of this team uh, at this point. The second player that deserves mention is Josh Mogger. He used to play for the Jets. I had been with the Jets and Bob Sutton for almost five years, and Josh had to fill in the role of Derek Johnson. Now, Derek Johnson was 15 tackles away from breaking our all-time franchise tackle record when he uh, tore his Achilles in the first half of the first game. And after losing that game, and there was some shock factor that led to that loss, thinking, well, there's no way you can replace Derrick Johnson. Josh Maga has done exactly that. He has been outstanding against the run. He's been great at the second level, first level against the pass. He'll be huge this week. He has to be against the Seattle run game. But Josh Maga has played at a level higher than I think anybody thought he could play at. So those two guys in specific have really filled in. I do want to switch to the offensive side of the ball. And uh, just a couple of years ago, well, last year, 2013, Eric Fisher, uh, the number one pick in the draft, in a draft where I believe the first seven picks were uh, interior linemen. Um, How has Eric Fisher progressed as a tackle in the National Football League? Well, he's really had two first years because last year's rookie season, he played right tackle. We had an established left tackle in Brandon Albert. Um, who left in free agency to go to the Miami Dolphins. And then this year, Eric has moved from right side to left side. So it's almost as if he's had to learn everything again. He's progressed nicely. He's very good in the run game. Uh, you know, he's very athletic, kind of a neat bender, they call him. Uh, he can be mobile. And Andy's offense, Andy Reid's offense, the offensive linemen are asked to do a lot of things. You can't just be a in-the-box player. You've got to be able to move laterally. Uh, and release with a, a keen sense of timing on the multiple screens that Andy likes to run. And Eric fits that mold. Now, he's catching on uh, with pass protection. And I just see this offensive line has grown step by step, but Eric has been the guy that's probably grown the most. Uh, and he's still learning, and he still makes mistakes here and there, but he's tracking the right way, uh, particularly as it pertains to pass protection. You mentioned... Uh, on defense, Josh Maunga uh, being a surprise on defense. Travis Kelsey is catching a lot of people's attention on the offensive side of the ball. He had his 2013 season pretty much cut short, only played one game uh, due to a knee injury. Is this a surprise, or has this been a surprise to the Kansas City Chiefs, or was this 
the Chiefs, were they expecting that from Travis Kelsey, but it's happening now in 2014 as opposed to 2013? No, it is not a surprise. Now, he was very athletic coming out of Cincinnati. In fact, he started at UC as a quarterback, and then they moved him to tight end. He had a outstanding training camp in 2013, but the car never left the garage. He got hurt in the final week of the preseason and was out for the year. And it really limited Kansas City and what they could do uh, with their offense. Now that he's up and running, and I know folks in, in your area know all about Gronkowski with New England, and really Travis Kelsey is that kind of skill set, and maybe even a little more athletic than Gronkowski. Travis Kelsey can run every offensive receiver route. Any route that any receiver in the league has to run, Travis can run it with that kind of precision. And he's done so with this team. He can run corners, post corners, double moves. He's got a nice sense of timing. He can line up near the line of scrimmage. He can be on the line of scrimmage. He can be at the other X, Z, and slot positions. He really is a wide receiver in a tight end body, but that does not mean he cannot play. He also plays physical. He's good in the run game. He's if, if he can stay healthy and continue to move forward, he will become the next biggest thing at that position in the National Football League. He's really kind of a Jimmy Graham, Gronkowski type. He deserves to be uh, in that discussion. With Travis Kelsey's emergence, uh, does that allay possible concerns that the Chiefs have not thrown a touchdown pass to a wide receiver uh, in almost a calendar year? And how much of a concern is that? That's, that has been bandied around. How much of a concern is that really? Well, it's, it, I mean, it's an, it deserves mention, but here's where the asterisk needs to be put because they have scored, first of all, their red zone touchdown efficiency is the best that they've had here in 15 years. They're top four right now in red zone touchdown efficiency at 69% touchdowns. Um, and, the, and the point is they're getting wide receiver plays out of players who don't have a WR by their name but could have. And Kelsey's one of those. I just mentioned uh, he has a play against the Jets where he runs a post pattern, that, and he lines up as a X. He lines up as a wide receiver in the line of scrimmage, beats a corner on a post, beats a safety touchdown. It's a wide receiver play. The other guy that you have not mentioned is D'Anthony Thomas, the rookie out of Oregon. Now, they list him as a running back, so he's an RB by his name. But to be honest, he has lined up at every wide receiver position so far, and he scored a touchdown against San Francisco on a wide receiver play. Uh, Jamal Charles has lined up as a wide receiver and scored a touchdown in the red zone. So that, that is an off-coded step, and it's worthy discussion. But when you take the discussion further and really study this team, it is not like they're void at, at where a wide receiver lines up and scores. They've scored a bunch of them. It just hasn't been guys with WR by their name. Uh, another, once again, talking with Mitch Holtis on second down, voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. Another offensive player that uh, has caught my eye, Niall Davis uh, out of Arkansas, did get hurt uh, in that uh, playoff game against the uh, Indianapolis Colts. Jamal Charles has, I believe, 113 carries on this season, not counting his catches. Niall Davis only has, I believe, seven fewer carries on the season uh, than Jamal Charles and had a really good game in uh, that Monday night game against uh, the New England Patriots, one over 100 yards, I believe. Uh, has there been a concerted effort to limit at least the number of carries Jamal Charles uh, has this season? And now Davis, is he possibly uh, one of the most, if not the most important player on the team, making sure Jamal Charles stays fresh down the stretch run? Yeah, that's a great point, and that role could become even more prominent this week with a 28-degree high expected in <laughs> snow, possibly, at Arrowhead. Now, this is the epitome of the two-headed monster. Statistically, 
Charles, as you mentioned, 113 carries, but Davis has 106. And collectively, they're closing in on 1,000 yards between the two of them. It's an interesting tag team because Charles is 199 pounds, but I call him a cruiserweight fighter mm-hmm. because he has Olympic speed. However, he is tough. He, he is the toughest chief I've ever been around in my 21 years. So you have a guy with speed but also has great toughness and is an excellent pass protector. But now he tags out, and here comes Niall Davis. And so if Jamal's toughness is underrated or underappreciated, it is Niall Davis' speed that is underrated or underappreciated because Niall Davis is 230 pounds, but he runs a 4.3740. Last year he had a 108-yard kickoff return for a touchdown against Denver, the second longest play in NFL history. This year he broke a game open against St. Louis with a 99-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. He's got a great – both of these guys. So you've got a smaller guy but who's got great power with great speed, and you've got a bigger guy. Who's got great power and great speed? And quite honestly, with Niles' emergence, it will extend Jamal Charles' career. That and Andy Reid's offense, because Andy likes to use uh, Jamal Charles much like he had when he had Westbrook with the Philadelphia Eagles. It's not just Jamal getting pounded between the tackles and you lose a year of your career. Jamal probably has two more years on his career because of Niall Davis and Andy Reid. You mentioned Jamal Charles being the toughest chief that you've ever been around and you've been around the Kansas City Chiefs uh, north of 20 years as you said what makes Jamal Charles in your opinion the toughest chief uh, that has come through our head stadium because he does all the dirty work okay. meaning pass protection I'll just give you one story about him uh, one of the worst drills I don't care if it's the Jets the Patriots the Giants when they go to training camp the running backs one of the worst drills is when they have to do pass protection one-on-one against linebackers or defensive ends they hate it because many times it's against the linebacker, they get about a seven-yard head start, and they just steam in and cream the RB. Mm-hmm. I know, I've known RBs that have played for this franchise that refused to do the drill because they were kind of the diva types, not Jamal. Jamal loves the drill this year. In fact, in St. Joe, our first day in pads, he got to the front of the line, told all the younger running backs, watch this, and he wanted Derrick Johnson. He called out Derrick Johnson and absolutely jacked him on the first play of the drill. Now, he was probably getting back to him after Derek got him in the Pro Bowl last year um, in a play that had the whole Chiefs kingdom holding their breath uh, because it basically almost knocked Jamal out. But (laughs) Jamal got him back. Uh, And he works at pass protection. He works at doing the difficult things. And I will say this about Jamal, and here's where people in the NFL need to really appreciate how special he is. He, again, is the cruiserweight fighter, and you may bloody him. You may have had you mean thinking you got him down in the fifth round or seventh round, and he comes back in the twelfth round and knocks you out. Against St. Louis, who has a very, very good defensive front, underrated. His longest run in the first half was four yards. He busts the game open later with a thirty five yard run. The other day against Buffalo. Buffalo's keying on him, actually changing their defensive set to stone him every time he got the ball. He was getting nothing. They kept pounding on him, pounding on him. He just waits, stays in there, stays tough and then breaks the game open with a 39-yard run on fourth and one, and or gets it close and then breaks it open with an 18-yard run shortly thereafter. So that's your equivalent of a 12th-round knockout. He is absolutely a great blend of a football player. I call him Port Arthur Toughness. I, if I really like you, I'll give you a nickname, and his nickname's Pat for Port Arthur Toughness because he came from Port Arthur, Texas, and he is just as tough as you can get. But... Uh, we look at his stats. He still has the all-time NFL record for yards per carry ahead of Jim Brown. 
Uh, he is the all-time leading rusher in Chiefs history with 214 less rushes than Priest Holmes, who he took out uh, for the record. But it's really his toughness, the way he plays the game, and the way that that kind of permeates through the rest of the roster. That is really why he is valuable to this team. Uh, nothing like one Texas Longhorn calling out another in practice and training camp with Jamal Charles <laughs> and uh, Derek Johnson and Priest Holmes. You just mentioned another Texas Longhorn, so hopefully uh, uh, some Texas Longhorns are listening to this uh, as well. Mitch Holthus, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, joining us. We thank you so very much for joining us. And uh, before we go, um, any uh, handicapping uh, for the Missouri Valley Conference this year? Actually, uh, watching Wichita State last year just go undefeated, I know this is a football show, but I do have to ask you, of all the years that you covered the Missouri Valley Conference, I know you've uh, seen Creighton do great. Northern Iowa's had a Sweet mm-hmm. Sixteen, Sweet Sixteen team a few years ago with um, a Helicba and Farouk Manesh. Uh, was that Wichita State team the best team you ever saw um, in your? Not time even in close. Not, yeah. not even close. They were in <laughs> some other stratosphere. When you, you know, when you win thirty-five straight games, and this league is a lot tougher than it gets credit for nationally. It's hard to win. Uh, in the Valley because they're all basketball-specific schools. They have great crowds. That's the big difference. They draw more than most of the normal mid-major leagues. You'll get five-digit crowds at games. But Wichita State was just uh, in some other universe. you got to think, they only had one loss the whole year, and it was to Kentucky. And Fred Van Vliet's three-pointer ran out. Yep. Or otherwise, they might have won the championship after being in the final four the year before and losing in the national semis to Louisville. They're, they could be as good or better this year. Wow. They get challenged by Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa is good. Uh, but they, Wichita State is the most major, so-called mid-major you'll ever see. Talent, toughness, uh, NBA players, Clay Anthony Early. I mean, that's the Knicks fans about that uh, because these guys are pros, man. They can play. And so uh, keep an eye on Wichita State. They, they're a legitimate top-ten program. Also do the Big 12 Conference as well as the Valley. Right. Uh, Kansas, of course, is dominated, winning 10 straight league titles. Texas is expected to challenge there. But there is very good. Kansas State has done a great job with Bruce Weber. Uh, after winning time for the Big 12 title the year before, uh, there's just good basketball played in the Midwest. Um, and if people play fantasy college basketball, pay attention to the uh, Big 12 and the Missouri Valley Conference because you'll see some of the best ball in the country. And I do have to mention, following the Missouri Valley and uh, a lot of uh, every conference, those road trips uh, to Normal, Illinois, to Springfield, Missouri, <laughs> Terre Haute, Indiana, Evansville uh, as well. Uh, collectively, it might be the toughest uh, conference in the league to win games consistently on the road, uh, uh, the Missouri Valley, as you mentioned, because of the great crowds and because of the basketball-centric thought process in the Midwest as well. But there's a lot of good football in the Midwest. The Kansas City Chiefs are 6-3, and taking on the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday, and we thank you so very much. Mitch Holthus, voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, for joining us on Second Down on Down and Distance. Mitch, thank you so very much uh, for the time, and uh, yes, we'll be hearing you on Sunday. Uh, My pleasure, and this... uh... Chiefs get this game if they beat the defending world champions. So they've beaten five of the last six defending world champions coming to Arrowhead Stadium by wow. uh, dating back to the late 90s. 
Uh, and if they go seven and three, then all of a sudden people will start paying attention to this team. Uh, they will, yes. And uh, that game against the Broncos later on in the year uh, in Arrowhead Stadium will definitely be um, uh, at a fever pitch, which I can only imagine all those games, the Patriots coming into Arrowhead, the Seahawks coming into Arrowhead, the uh, Broncos coming into Arrowhead. Is there a way that Arrowhead Stadium, one of the raucous crowds in all of the NFL, could kick it up even another notch with all these games? Yes, and this week against yes, yes, emphatically yes. And this week, the reason is because the two franchises, Seattle and Kansas City, have had this ping pong match back and forth of who has the loudest stadium. Mm-hmm. Yes. The Guinness Book of World Records said it was Seattle. Kansas City took it away last year in the game against the Raiders. Seattle took it back last year again. This year, the Chiefs took it back in that Patriots game with a decibel level of one hundred and forty-two point three. It's like sticking your head in a jet engine. So. Because it's Seattle coming in here, even though it'll be cold and snowy, the Chiefs' kingdom is getting plenty of rest because they want to let Seattle know in this little battle going back and forth between the crowds that, uh, you know, just tell your fans uh, what it's like here. You can go back and tell them. So, no, they will take it up a notch and then crank it up again when the Broncos come to town. Uh, whether you're uh, in Arrowhead Stadium You'll or You'll see the mushroom cloud as far east as where you're at. No problem. There'll be a mushroom cloud and the smell of barbecue coming your way. Uh, I hope the smell of barbecue comes my way. All right. Whether you're in Kansas City at Arrowhead Stadium or whether you're watching the game on television, essentially get your earplugs ready. Uh, Mitch Holt, this is the Kansas City Chiefs uh, Radio Network, Voice of the Chiefs. Thank you so very much for joining us on Down and Distance. And again, we will hear you Sunday. And thank you so much for the time and the insight. You bet. I appreciate the opportunity. Now we're getting ready for the third down segment. And on this third down, we have to convert a third down and six. Six games in week 11 in the National Football League that we are going to break down. And The first game that we do have to break down on Thursday night, Thursday night football, a couple of five and four teams, the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins, both teams coming off pretty tough losses. The Dolphins on the road had to lead late against Detroit, and then Detroit pulled off their last second magic again that they've done in the past three games, Detroit winning that game 20-16. to Do I even talk about what happened between the Bills and the Chiefs, or should I just go to the Bills and uh, Dolphins? You know what happens with the Bills now? No, we can talk about it. The Bills held the game pretty much all the way through the three quarters. And um, fourth quarter, they just let it go. The defense let it go. I mean, defense was playing amazing yesterday for the first three quarters. And it just kind of... Well, speaking of let it go, one of the Bills running backs, Bryce Brown, literally let, let it, it go, go. Yeah, on the face of the goal line. Yeah, that was a, a problematic. And, you know, and that was a, I was worried about Bryce Brown, and that was part of the reason why he was not picked as a first, you know, to play on the team and was stuck on the practice squad because he has that tendency to fumble. And he sure enough proved that on, on Sunday. Um, the funny thing is the Sean McCoy, uh, Bryce Brown was an eagle before he became yes. a Buffalo Bill. Yes. Sean McCoy ended up saying that, Bryce Brown is as good as anybody the Bills have. Was something along those lines not when true. he first went to uh, Buffalo, which not true. <laughs> all right, Polly says not true. Not true. I mean, when you got, I mean, he he's a decent running back, but you, you can't even put him in the same category as Fred Jackson. You can't. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and I'm sorry, Booby Dixon's been doing really good this year. He really has, um, and stepping up and in for Fred. And, and Fred did not have that many plays yesterday. You could tell that they were they're keep. He's not fully healed. Yeah. Could, that showed me yesterday, okay, he's not all the way back yet. 
um, and they didn't throw to Watkins a lot yeah. yesterday. And Again, he's he's hurt. So, um, but they made good plays. I, I was impressed with Buffalo. They had more um, offensive drives, productive offensive drives, than they've had in the last couple of weeks. Um, even though they won the games, um, this was a tough loss. And, you know, if the defense held Jamal Charles in the fourth quarter, we probably still want to won that game, mm-hmm. uh, minus the mistakes. There were some couple bad calls. There even uh, there were two calls. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Um, and they had a freshman ref on. And not only were the – I mean, they were talking about it at ESPN last night. Oh, the Bills got hammered with two really bad calls, um, which hurt, you know, um, and put KC – in a position to win, and they finished the game. So it it was frustrating to lose by that that much. And we've had so many comebacks where Orton has just driven them down, mm-hmm. and they just could, they just didn't well, have enough time to do it. Well, they didn't. Well, they did have a last second, yeah. last minute, they, last couple of minute drive. They had fourteen seconds to try to do well, it, but <laughs> but even before that, it was seventeen thirteen. 14, yeah, the Bills got into the red zone. Um, they had a fourth down and ten. Mm-hmm. With three timeouts, Out. with 2.32 to go, so they had the warning as well. Mm-hmm. And instead of possibly kicking a field goal, making a one-point game play defense, they went for That's it. Right, which I thought was a mistake. I thought they should have kicked the field goal. and had our Because de- our defense had done so well all game. You know, so it's like, why didn't you do that? But, you know, I'm not the coach. And yeah, as much and as sometimes <laughs> I wish I was. But, <laughs> and um, last thing I'll say about the Chiefs game before we move forward, because we're making selections yeah. for this week. That situation, fourth down, 10 yards to go, just inside of the 20-yard line, three timeouts and the warning, down four. That is a coach's no-man's land. Because <laughs> if you kick the field goal, you make it a one-point game, and you don't stop the offense, you're going to get grilled for not going for it. But if you go for it and you don't make it, and you call the timeouts to get the ball back but don't score, you're going to get grilled for yeah, it as well. Yeah, no, it's true. That's, I, that's, that's true. I, I saw that situation and thought, man, and I have somewhere between 10 and 15 seconds to decide what to do because I have to either A, call a play, or B, rush my field goal unit on. I, I was screaming, screaming, field goal, field goal, yeah. <laughs> and just let our defense stop because it's easy. And then, you know, in my for me, I was like, kick the field goal. It's one-point game. Defense three and out. Even if they went six and out, you know we could still get, have enough time to get into field goal range yeah. and win, and and kick it. And we have an amazing kicker. So but, as it's you, like, but as you said, but awesome. as you said, Jamal Charles he had sixty oh. quarter rushing yards. He had nothing so, all game. So what if you kick the field goal? And you try to stop the Chiefs, and Jamal Charles goes off again, and then they run out the clock. So, that's a coach's no man's land. Yeah, if you're down three, you kick the field goal. You tie right. the game. Right. Easy decision. Exactly. But right. count four, 2.32 to go. Or if you had one timeout, you go for, for it. it. Right. If you have all three timeouts, it was, it, was, it, yeah, it, it, it was a tough, tough decision to make. Uh, yeah. But now, and the Dolphins also had a tough loss as mm-hmm. well, and we're going to talk about the future instead of the past. That's the Chiefs and Bills. The Bills and Miami Dolphins on Thursday night football. Both teams are 5-4. and four, And the winner of the game is 6-4, and four, still in the playoff hunt. But the loser of this game, 5-5, five and five, is going to be a real tough road to hold for the loser of this team to make the playoffs. Obviously, winning the division is almost out of reach with the Patriots in it. But losing this game, going to 5-5, five and five, will be really, really tough. The Buffalo Bills won at Ralph Wilson Stadium earlier on this season in Week 2, 29-10. Do the Bills sweep the Dolphins on Thursday? Yes. 
Okay. <laughs> I'm not just saying this is a Bills fan. But okay. I, I, but I wish. Yeah, okay, yes, I was. I was say, make believers out of the people that will okay. say you're only saying it because, because they're it Bills. Fans. Well, Bills fans. all right. Well, because well, one reason our defense. Period. You know, our defense dominated yesterday's game, even though we didn't win. Um, our defense is a force to be reckoned with, and I just and so is Miami's. Don't get me wrong. Miami has a very good defense, but I do, the front four of Buffalo. I'm sorry. The, a lot of quarterbacks were leading the league in sacks. I, I, we're, we're leading, we're, I think we were tied in interceptions. Our defense is just on fire right now, and I just don't think Tannehill is going to have an answer for it because he didn't have an answer for it for the first time. Um, I think they'll make some corrections. I, they have a small advantage playing at home, but we have beaten them at home before. It's not like it's an unwinnable game. Um, we have all the talent. I, it, the only thing I'm a little nervous about this game is the short week um, and you know Watkins and Jackson are both kind of still nursing injuries um, those two really are going to have to step up their game and feel better on Thursday because we're going to need them to win um, I defense I think this is going to be a, another low scoring game and I think our defense is actually probably going to win this game for us I think whoever wins this game is going to be because of the defense I don't, agree I agree with you that I don't think there'll be a whole a lot of points scored, which means once we're in agreement with that, the final score will be 38-36. to 36. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I do agree with you with the Buffalo Bills front four. One of the best front fours in all of the National Football League. Uh, they, when they are the best unit on the field, the Buffalo Bills are one of the most dangerous teams in the NFL. When Mario Williams, when Kyle Williams, when Marcel Darius, Jerry Hughes, when those four dominate, <laughs> the Bills can win any game against mm-hmm. any team in the National yes, Football can. League. Because if you control the line of scrimmage, you can control the game. Correct. Especially, and most people say that about the offense. If you can run the ball and create a new line of scrimmage and uh, push the uh, line of scrimmage forward against the defensive line, the Bills' defensive line can push your offensive line back. Yes. And that can disrupt any timing with running, any timing with the passing game, and the Bills do that a whole lot. That's why they don't allow that many points. They don't. That's why they get a lot of sacks. That's why they get a lot of interceptions. That's why uh, Geno Smith threw three of those yes, uh, a few did. weeks ago. Uh, well, part of the reason, part of the reason is he's not very good either. Well, that's um, but. but in this game, and another thing I do want to mention, Brandon Albert, the left tackle for the Miami Dolphins, a big free agent signing. For Miami, and he has done very, very well this season, but he is out mm-hmm. for the season with a leg injury, and they have to shift last year's first-round pick, Juwan James, over to left tackle. So the Miami Dolphins offensive line, which was a big question mark coming into the season because it was a big minus last season, right. got better this season. They have. But now their best player on the offensive line and arguably their best player on offense is this gone. season, Brandon Albert, is out and they have to reshift that offensive line and be cohesive in a short week against one of the best defensive lines in the National the Football, Football League. League. It's going to be tough for That's them to tough. win this game. If I had faith that the Dolphins in four days <laughs> could get that offensive line straight to go up against this Buffalo Bills pass rush and uh, run-stopping unit as well, the uh, defensive line, I would have more faith in the Miami Dolphins in winning this game. I had a lot of faith a couple of weeks ago that the Dolphins would win at home against the Chargers, and they 
uh, paid me off very well and uh, shut out the Chargers uh, 37 to nothing. Uh, shocks me. Yeah, it, it didn't shock me. It didn't it shock did. me. I know. It shocked me. Yeah, because... Um, I was riding on your Chargers bandwagon there. <laughs> yes, and then the second you went on it, I said, Holly, I'm getting off of uh, Yeah, I know. You did. <laughs> I was like, jeez. I, I don't lock onto bandwagon jumping. And yeah. honestly... I, was, I jumped. I, I was like, yeah, but I, I really thought that San Diego would... One, if they lost, they wouldn't lose like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's another team that's kind of imploding right now. Yeah. But anyway, we're talking about the Bills. We're talking about the Bills and the Dolphins, and uh, I do have to agree with you. I do think yes. that the Bills on the road will win this game and get to 6-4. and four. Another reason why this game is very, very important for the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are 5-4. and four. Obviously, mm-hmm. we've said that ad nauseum 8, 9, 10,000 times, that the Bills are 5-4 and four, as well as the Dolphins. If you look at the Bills' schedule um, of games that they've won, five wins this season, three are against NFC teams, mm-hmm. and only two are against AFC teams. So in terms of a tiebreaker scenario with the Dolphins, you have to win this game. You have yes. to sweep against the Dolphins. In terms of a tiebreaker scenario against other teams outside of the AFC East. This is a huge game. The first tiebreaker is head-to-head. Right. They've lost to the Chiefs, who may not win the division, but are going to compete for a wild card. Yep. They've lost to the Chargers, who may not win the division, with the Broncos in there, but may compete with the Bills for a wild card. Yes. So they're behind the eight ball in that. And and with the Bills being five and four right now, they only have two division wins. If in the event that the Bills lose this game, They'd be 5-5, five and five, which is not a death knell. You can recover from 5-5. The five rest of our five. schedule, yes, it is. You can, <laughs> yes, yeah, true. You can recover from 5-5 five and five if you go on a hot streak regardless of what your schedule is. My worry is that if the Bills go to 5-5, five and five, that means their record against NFC teams would be 3-0. and oh. Their record against AFC teams would be 2-5. and five. Yeah. If they lose this game, right, and in terms of tiebreakers, that's it's impossible. It's almost it's impossible, impossible, especially right. when you throw in they've lost to the Chiefs, they've lost to the Chargers. Yeah. So this is a big game, looking down the road for tiebreaker scenarios, because the Bills are going to face a whole lot more AFC teams. They only play the Packers of the NFC left yep. on their schedule. Yep. But I do say the Bills come through on Thursday night and defeat the Miami Dolphins. We actually agree on a Bills game. I think I went against the Bills You've a couple of times. You have, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so. I have yeah. against New England and against uh, Kansas City. But I'm going with the Bills on Thursday night football. And we're going to stay in the N, excuse me, AFC East with the head honchos of the AFC East, the New England Patriots, taking on the Indianapolis Colts. And... So many times we've seen New England and Indianapolis, and it's a matchup of Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Uh, is Tom Brady still there? <laughs> but yeah. a new sheriff in town, Andrew Luck, for the Indianapolis Colts, and the Colts and Patriots both coming off of bye weeks. The Patriots 7-2, and two, and officially the number one seed in the AFC right now because they are tied with the Broncos, and they beat the Broncos this season. The Colts are 6-3, and three, and a win against the Patriots could lead to the Colts possibly mm-hmm. being the number one seed, even though they did lose to the Broncos right. uh, to open the season. So Colts, Patriots at Lucas Oil Stadium, Sunday Night Football. Should be an interesting matchup. How do you see it? I'm going to go with Indy on this. Um, I, not because I hate New England, but um, I think Indy's defense is much, much better than New England's. Um, so that that will be problematic for Brady. I think he's going to be scrambling a little bit with Indy's defense, and 
Brady doesn't do well when he has to scramble a lot. Um, I just I think it's going to be a shootout between the two arms. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game between the two teams. But I, I think um, Indy pulls it out probably like by a field goal. With it's tough to beat Indy at it, home. It is tough it's to tough beat to Indy beat at home. At Having Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski helps beating the Indianapolis Colts. It at does. Home. I am getting that sinking feeling as a fan of a team that despises the Patriots. I'm getting that sinking feeling that the Patriots are putting it together. They, they're they're putting it together. They are. They had a great defensive performance against Denver, and that may be. Just because of familiarity with facing a Peyton Manning team with Bill Belichick yeah. as coach and foe defensive coordinator yeah. with Matt Patricia as defensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. That might have been just a case of we know Peyton Manning so well we can do well against him. Right. But the way that the offense now is starting to hum for the Patriots with it coinciding with Rob Gronkowski looking as healthy as he's been mm-hmm. in the past couple of seasons, it really puts everything else into place for the Patriots around it. The wide receivers are better, even though they're not so great. Julian Edelman is Wes Welker, too. Yeah, he um, is. And he's doing well, and he's such a good punt returner as well, so special teams could uh, play a factor in it, and Julian Edelman is uh, one of the best special teams out there. He is. He's amazing. with Gronkowski back, and he's looking his Gronk Gronk self right now. Yeah, he is. And that's scary. This is going to be a close game. I don't think... I don't think New England's going to blow them out by any way, shape, or form. If they do win, like I said, it's going to be close. Um, But I, I... my gut. I'm going with my gut on this one. I'm I'm going with Indy because they're home. I want to go with my gut too, but I'm going with my head. Mm. New England. Yeah. I'm going with my head. I think my a lot of people. Are, I, I'm pretty sure everybody else in the world is probably going to pick <laughs> New England in that game. I probably will not get this pick, but you know, I, I, you know, every time there's been a game like this, like. I said, oh, the Kansas, what was the Kansas City game? I said, I was going to, I picked oh, Kansas, Kansas City, San Diego, Diego and said and, they would finish it off, finish off games, and, and I got I right. the Chargers, you got Everybody right. picked the Chargers. I Everybody do, yeah, they, the were, they were playing I, great. That's my Super Bowl team. And I, I, um, I go for these underdogs, I'm like, yep, that's the spoiler of the week, and I think this one's going to be the spoiler of the week. Yeah. Uh, so you have so, India at home, yep. I have New England on the road. Uh, the next game we're going to talk about, two other teams in the top of the standings in the conference. But in the NFC, we have the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions 7-2 and two for the first time since Wayne Fonts was head coach. 1993, and Barry Sanders was in the backfield for the Detroit Lions. Lions 7-2 and two go into University of Phoenix Stadium to take on the 8-1 and one Arizona Cardinals. We mentioned the Patriots, and the Colts could possibly decide and determine the number one seed. This game may decide and determine mm-hmm. the number one seed in the NFC. Lions one game back. Arizona 8-1. First game now without Carlson Palmer after his latest injury. The ACL tear in his left knee out for the season. Drew Stanton in. Drew Stanton's won two games already when Carson Palmer was out earlier. Cardinals an impressive fourth quarter against St. Louis. Detroit, they have had many impressive fourth quarters. Uh, I think they've won three consecutive games in which they've been down with two minutes to go in the game. They were down against Miami. With under two minutes to go, they won the game. They were down in, Atla- in Atlanta, against Atlanta yep. in London. In London. Um, and they were down 21 to nothing and came back and won that game at the end. They were down to New Orleans at home. 
by a couple of scores, came back to win the game. So does the Detroit Lions' fourth-quarter magic continue against a team that has outscored their opponents 91-34 to in the fourth quarter, the Arizona Cardinals? Detroit and Arizona. I got Detroit. Got Detroit. Got Detroit on this one, and I don't think there's going to be a fourth-quarter comeback on this on this game. Um, the... the and I probably shouldn't pick Detroit because when you have all these fourth quarter comebacks, that doesn't bode well for your team. That means your team has not been playing so great in the first three quarters, and all of a sudden, they, oh, we have to get this together, and, and they come up with, you know, Stafford comes up with these amazing plays, and, and they win. Um, but I, I think because of the, the quarterback change, Detroit's defense is on fire right now. I just think they have a better defense than Arizona right now. And I'm yeah I'm going with Detroit on this one, and I think again I think it's gonna be a close game, um, like a 21-14 or you know 28-21. I don't think this is gonna be a, a, a blowout either way. Um, it's gonna be a defensive game, but I think Detroit's defense pulls it off. Yeah, Detroit has statistically the best defense mm-hmm. in the National Football yeah. League, and in those first three quarters, it's been the Detroit Lions defense keeping the yep team in the game because yep. the Lions haven't been that impressive but on offense, offense for a right. long time, right. but the Lions would have it click at the very end right. of games. Last week in defeating the Miami Dolphins, Calvin Johnson came back yep. over 100 yards, caught a long touchdown pass, so maybe the Lions offense may get back on track the way that we're used to seeing the Lions offense in the past three, four years with Cal- with a healthy Calvin Johnson. Johnson. Yeah, that uh, will help be helpful. That will be very, very helpful. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals also have a pretty good defense as well, and they have this mentality now. Now, a lot of teams throughout all levels of football will say, oh, next man up, next man up. Mm-hmm. If someone's down, we have to have the next man up come in and perform his job. But they really take that to heart. Carson Palmer goes down. Drew Stanton comes in. He wins games. Uh Darnell Dockett out for the season. Dan Williams is signed. He does well at the defensive tackle spot. The linebackers uh, have been a mishmash unit for a little bit because John Abraham hasn't been able to play. Darrell Washington hasn't been able to play. But the Cardinals defense still looks pretty good. They literally have a next man up mentality when they're back up. And their second string uh, performers do just as well as the first string performers. They absolutely do. And it, it, it really rubs off. It it it's per, it really rubs off on the whole team. It just has that effect that galvanizes a team. And Arizona has that feeling of no matter what obstacle that they face, or not, or no matter what setback befalls them, that they will be able to overcome it. And I'm getting that sense. And they're facing a Lions team that has Calvin Johnson back. And their offense might be uh, better than it has been all season long. And their defense is so good. And they're playing a backup quarterback. And all that still makes me want to pick Arizona. What? It yeah. still makes me want to pick Arizona. Because when their back's against the wall or they have a setback happen to them, they flourish. I, and some teams I can't disagree that. with you on right. that. I, I can't disagree with you on that, but I, I don't think it's going to be enough this week. No problem. I, I will take the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Holly takes the Detroit Lions. Uh, we're going to stay in the NFC a little bit. The Seattle Seahawks, the defending Super Bowl champions, will take on the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead Stadium. And the Seattle Seahawks starting to recover a little bit, at least in terms of the record. The Seahawks are 6-3. and three. So are the Kansas City Chiefs. Speak about recovering. The Chiefs started the year 0-2, and I'll be honest, I wrote them off 0-2. Wrote them off. Oh, I didn't. 
I did not write them off. <laughs> I did. And the Chiefs have responded by winning six out of seven mm-hmm. games. And the Seattle Seahawks, some people started to write them off a little bit after their uneven start, but they have put it back together a little bit, defeated the New York Giants, used the big fourth quarter to uh, win that ball game to go to 6-3, 38-17, the Seahawks defeating the New York Giants. So we have the Chiefs at home against the Seahawks. So you've been high on the Chiefs, so you must be picking the Chiefs, right? I am not picking the Chiefs. See, look at that. Women. So confusing. We are. We are so confusing. <laughs> we are. Um, I kid. I kid. I'm not me. picking the Chiefs. I think this is going to be a tough win for Seattle because it's hard. It's Arrowhead's tough, tough stadium to play in. Very tough. Um, I don't think, you know, if you have Marshawn Lynch as your fantasy, don't expect a lot of yards from him this week. <laughs> um, I think, you know, Casey's defense is pretty good at stopping the run. Um, I think Marshawn will get some yardage if he has a game like he did yesterday. Um, they'll, they'll blow him out of the water. But I think it's, again, another close game. A lot of these games this week I think are going to be down-to-the-wire games. Um, I think Seattle wins, though. They're a better team. I think they're just a better team overall. Alex Smith yesterday, I mean, the Bills really – had him shook up. He has, has not played a defense like that this year. And Andy Reid even said that. He goes, this is going to be the toughest defense we've played all year. Seattle's defense, you know, they're not as good as they were, but their front four, pretty darn good. And if Alex Smith gets rattled, they're not going to win. And, and, yes, they pulled it out yesterday because our defense did not play up to par <laughs> in the fourth quarter. Um, but in all actuality, the Bills outplayed Kansas City yesterday. I agree. Um, and I just think Seattle will outplay Kansas City next week. On it's, all aspects. On all aspects. You mentioned if Alex Smith gets rattled, then there'll be a problem with Kansas City. Alex Smith doesn't get rattled too much. He was rattled yesterday. Did you watch the game? He was yes. rattled yeah. yesterday. And he ran it and he ran in the game-winning touchdown, and the Chiefs came away with a victory. So you yes. can be rattled. He was rattled win. in the first. Oh, yes. But, I mean, I, I just. <laughs> you I, can be rattled yeah. and still somehow do enough to win games, and right. that's what Alex Smith has made a habit of doing. Oh, no. I, I'm not disagreeing. You is, I saw it happen yesterday. Alex but, Smith yeah. has made a habit of winning games. Whether, but he made a lot of mistakes yesterday, too, which is unlike him. I, unlike I, you. Yeah, right. I was very unlike him. And um, I think Seattle will put that kind of pressure on him again. Um, and I think they're going to have problems with that. So I, I'm going with Seattle on this because I just think they're a better ball team than KC. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs have not thrown a touchdown pass to a wide receiver in 11 months. December 8th of 2013 was the last time that a Kansas City Chief wide receiver caught a touchdown pass, Dwayne Bow in Washington, Washington, D.C., I do have to pick the Chiefs in this mm. game. They play so well at home. I know they, they have their season opener against Tennessee where they stunk up the joint, but after that, they've done very well at home. They're, uh, Tamba Hali and Justin Houston, two of the best defensive ends. They should be able to not only contain Russell Wilson in the pocket, but chase him down if he leaves the pocket. Uh, Dontari Poe as the defensive tackle, one of the best run stoppers in mm-hmm. the National Football League. I, I think it'll be very interesting how the Seattle run game goes up against the Kansas City front. 
the Kansas City's front is a, a pretty good defensive front. I do think that the Andy Reid, Alex Smith, you don't look too impressive, but you always, almost always pull out victories uh, type of theme continues. It may not be pretty. It will not be pretty. It's not going to be pretty. But I do think the Chiefs will uh, win the game. Uh, at home against Seattle, uh, two six and three teams. So you have Seattle, I have Kansas City, and we will head to the Crescent City. Two teams that are, I would have to say, not necessarily in crisis, but two teams that have a lot of questions to answer in the next few games. And they will start answering those questions by facing off against each other. The Cincinnati Bengals at 5-3-1. and one. Coming off, you'd have to say, a humiliating home loss oh. to the Cleveland Browns in prime time oh. on Thursday for everybody to see. Andy Dalton with a passer rating of 2. Yeah, that. 2.0. Who does that? In the game yes. against, I believe, and I want to make sure I get this right. I think you can complete a pass for five yards, throw your next eight passes off of your center's butt, and still have a higher rating than Andy Dalton at 2.0 because he had three interceptions uh, in the game. Uh, so the Bengals are 5-3-1. and one. They're still in second place in the AFC North behind the Cleveland Browns. So the Bengals coming off an embarrassing loss. The New Orleans Saints coming off a tough, tough loss against the San Francisco 49ers in overtime 27-24. A game that they thought they had won on a Hail Mary touchdown catch by yeah. Jimmy Graham, only to be called for offensive pass, pass interference, interference, which I think is the first pass interference on offense I've ever seen on a Hail Mary pass. Uh, but the Saints not winning that. The Saints in first place at 4-5. and five. The Bengals at 5-3-1, and one, but losing to Cleveland, losing the Battle of Ohio. Somehow, some way, one of these teams will get back on track a little bit. Which team do you think gets back on track between Cincinnati and New Orleans? New Orleans. New Orleans. Uh, you don't see Andy Dalton magic? Oh, um, it's, it's not in prime time. Yeah, so well, that, might that, be, that, might... that might be a little bit of a closer game. Um, I, no, I, I just, I don't, I see kind of Cincinnati imploding. They, they started off fairly well. They're kind of, they're falling off right now. I don't know what's going on in Andy Dal- with Andy Dalton right now, but he's not playing well. Um, they were embarrassed last, that was just an embarrassment. And when you, Changes need to be made, and I don't think they're going to make enough of those changes to go up against New Orleans. I just, yeah. I agree. Yeah, it's just not going to happen. I agree. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard to believe in Cincinnati. As much as it, it is, is. To har- as much as it is hard to believe in the Saints, it might be almost harder to believe it in is. Cincinnati. It is. I agree with you on that. It's just like, okay, so I see the Cincinnati. Who's playing? You said these are going to be our picks. I'm like, I can't even get under Cincinnati <laughs> right now. Uh, you know, I, I, I kind of get under KC, and even though they, you know, beat us. But, it, like, there's certain teams you just you, you could get under and support, and I, I just I can't with Cincinnati. Yeah, Cincinnati's tough because as long as Andy Dalton's the quarterback. Yeah. There's always going to be question marks with him. Yeah. You just never know what you, which Andy Dalton you're going to get. And, never. you know, if you got Andy Dalton that's on target and everything's great, then they win. But then, you know, then you could get Andy Dalton that 2% passer rating. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, you just don't know which Andy Dalton you're going to get. So Yeah, in the past few weeks, you don't know which Drew Brees you're going to get that's either. That's true. Agreed. So that's Agreed. a little bit unsettling for Saints fans yeah, as a future Hall of Famer. Hasn't looked too great. He had his flashes last week against mm-hmm. San Francisco, but through a couple of costly interceptions, yes, one in the end did. zone, 
before halftime and then got hit from behind and fumbled, which led to the 49ers game-winning field goal in overtime. But I do agree with you. Uh, the New Orleans, so first of all, someone has to win the NFC South. Okay, someone has to win it, and someone has to have a fairly respectable record in doing it. Not that you have to, because I know the Seahawks made uh, the playoffs and won a game. I believe they were seven and nine when they did. They were, it, um, or eight and eight. Uh, but uh, New Orleans, I do believe, uh, will win this game. But as I say that, I can totally see the Bengals out of nowhere. And it all looking has a hot day. Yeah, good. Yeah. They win the game, and then we all ask ourselves, well, how come we can't put this together every week? Right. So it's one of those games. I'm going to pick New Orleans because that's what my mind and my heart is saying, but somewhere in the back burner, <laughs> something well, is telling yeah. me, they watch this be the game. Cincinnati gets, uh, gets does very well. Together, yeah. Right. yeah, so we do have New Orleans in this game. And now it's fourth down on Down and Distance. And, of course, if you haven't been listening to us the past few weeks, where have you been? Uh, but our fourth down <laughs> segment, of course, I present a hypothetical to Holly, and she will either punt or go for it, a hypothetical situation that Holly thinks may happen. She'll go for it, but if she doesn't think it will happen, she will punt it. So my hypothetical situation is about the team that's in first place in the NFC. The Arizona Cardinals are 8-1, and one. and I'm not going to ask you about the Super Bowl. I'm not going to ask you about the Super Bowl. Not at all. Too far down the road. But the Arizona Cardinals are 8-1, and one, but the Arizona Cardinals are going to be playing without Carson Palmer for the rest of the season. We talked about the tough schedule that the Arizona Cardinals have left in the season, but they are ahead in the NFC, a game ahead of the Detroit Lions. They are in position to possibly get the number one seed in the NFC. So, it's a simple hypothetical question. The Arizona Cardinals, despite the loss of Carson Palmer uh, to his knee injury and he's out for the season, the Arizona Cardinals at 8-1 and one will hold on and finish the season as either the number one or number two seed in the NFC and get a bye. So, if they have to win the division to get a bye, if they don't win the division... They don't get the buy. So essentially the question is, two questions. A, do the Cardinals win the division? And B, no, the Cardinals win the division and they get a buy. That's the f- scenario. Cardinals division winners in the NFC West with Seattle, with San Francisco. Division winners and finish first or second overall in the NFC and get a buy. Do you punt that situation with no Carson Palmer but an 8-1 record? Or do you go for it and say they still hold on to win the division and finish with either the best record or second best record in the NFC, therefore a bye week? I'm going for it on this one. I think, yeah, I I think they're going to win the division. I think, you know, like you you said earlier, that they have that mental status, the next player up. Um, I don't think there's anything stopping this team this year, even with Carson Palmer down. Um, I think that's even going to motivate him a little bit more. Um, and like you said, Stanton's won a couple games. He's looked very impressive in those games. Um, I No, I'm going for it on this one. They got the division and the bye. Division yeah. and the bye. They can yeah. win the division, but fall right. to the three-seed or four-seed. Four seed, correct, but I, I'm going to go for it on this one. I, I'm going to... Arizona, I'm getting behind you. All yeah. right. Getting behind Arizona. <laughs> you have a new temporary fan. Yeah. All right. The Red Sea gets another fan uh, with Holly and believing that the Cardinals will yeah. at least hold on to the division. They have a two-game lead in the division over Seattle um, and be able to maintain either a one or a two seed. There's Dallas. 
There's Philadelphia. I know my feelings. There's Dallas. I do, I do. You have Dallas, you have Philadelphia, you have Detroit, Green Bay, and Seattle, all with six wins or more. So if any of those teams get hot, they can pass the Cardinals. They could. But you have enough faith in the Cardinals that they'll hold on to the division. I think so. And they will finish better than... Two of the other three division winners. I, I, I agree. I, yeah, I'm going for that. It's. A, I think that's a pretty easy one. I'm going for oh, that. Oh, the last time you said it was a pretty easy uh, fourth down, it was the Cleveland Browns I know. winning their next three I games. I know. And, and then Jacksonville um, yeah, they heard you. The, yeah, they, they heard me. <laughs> they did. Yeah, and beat Cleveland. So, um, as I said before, these questions are not so easy. I know. Okay, I know. They're, they're not, not as easy. They're not I, easy. I put thought in but I, No, they're not so easy. I, I, you know, when I see them. No, I, I know. I, I whatever, know. you know. But um, I, I think this is definitely something you could go either way. It could go either way, but I, I have enough faith in that team and their coaching staff that they can they can do that. All right. Uh, so Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles, the defensive mm. coordinator, have a lot of believers. Holly's one of them too. I'm a believer. Yeah. As well, um, I don't have to answer this question because I'm not the one being put on the spot. Right. Um, so I will with uh, withhold my answer to that question uh, for later, I guess, until they do or don't get well, the body given. We'll yeah, of course, I, I I knew that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's how I roll, uh, and that's how we roll on down a distance. And uh, Holly, once again, thank you so very much. Thank you for having me. And uh, we will see you down the road for sure on Down and Distance on a lot of sports talk. Once again, stay tuned to a lot of sports talk.com. We have NFL stories, college basketball stories as well. We were at, in Charlotte, North Carolina for the ACC Media Days. So get prepared for the college basketball season by looking at a lot of sports talk.com and all the interviews that we did with a lot of the movers and shakers in the Atlantic Coast Conference. And we will see you down the road once again talking National Football League for Holly Culbertson. My name is Adashina Koiki. This has been Down and Distance on a lot of sports talk. And once again, enjoy the royalty-free music. You take care. Bye-bye.